everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Uh, coming up on this week's show, album reviews from Tallies and A Swarm of the Sun and this week's open mic, I- oh, open mic album I should say is Frank Carter and the Rattlesnake debut album Blossom as well as all the announcements of new music and new albums. Uh, it's only the two album review this week because I decided to be an absolute dingus and pour water on my laptop. It's all fixed now, but it meant when I was meant to have Fever 333's new album on here, it couldn't go on the laptop because I couldn't put it on the CD and I haven't listened to it much. It's just been, it's been a very millennial problem, but long short of it, next week, I want to give Fever 333 more time because I feel like Jason Allen Butler deserves that time. So next week's uh, debut album, Strength and Numbers, will be on there. This week just getting two, so don't be greedy. Uh, the actual news, the actual proper musical news, uh, is we're going to start with Incubus. They've announced they are going to begin work, or have begun work, I should say, on album number nine. It is a follow-up from their eighth album, called Eight, because not even Incubus care about Incubus anymore. I don't know why I included this. Uh, Ronald Tomasi have been announced for 2000 Trees Festival, joining the likes of Every Time I Die, While She Sleeps, Milk Teeth, Jamie Lendman, among others, which is going to be fucking tight. God, I wish I could go 2000 Trees. Cheltenham's really far away, so that's why I'm just going to bitch and moan about it until I can't go. Uh, so, half and half with uh, new albums announced. Condra have... Uh, announced they have begun work on a new album. They've already given it a name, but given it no timetable. Uh, it's a follow-up to Maya. It is called Curse These Metal Hands. And from what I've seen, so before I hit record, I just thought it was going to be the sophomore Conjure album. I saw on Twitter this morning that they, they had like a little exchange when they announced it with uh, their label mates, Pigeon, which is, our, as far as I'm aware, like a big post-metal band. By the looks of it now, it's some kind of split album with Pigeon. Um, which I'm not... I don't really know. We Splits usually happen amongst like the up-and-coming like punk bands. You don't really see it... Well, at least I haven't, at least. Don't really see it that much in like post-rock or post-metal, that kind of thing. But especially when it's given this much announcement. And like a lot of people went for that Condra album last year, so... I don't know, it could be just ignorance talking, which it probably is, but hey-ho, I'm still excited because it's Condra. I've never, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to Pigeon. It's probably something I should go back to listen to, but there we are. Curses, Metal Hands. Uh, no time no, no timetable has been announced, but keep, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that hookup when it gets here. Uh, a variety of new acts have been announced for Slam Dunk 2019. Uh, during the likes of All Time Low, New Found Glory, uh, Book My Valentine with the Menzingers, is Milk Teeth, Atreyu, Seaway, Real Friend, Pagan, and The Word Alive. And they're only written down as WSTR. I don't know if that's an acronym for something or if I'm supposed to pronounce it as Waster, maybe? It's not one that I'm familiar with. But Milk Teeth will be amazing. Uh, Atreyu are very hit and miss in terms of output. Seaway, I can't say I've ever heard of. Real Friends, very, very fun. Well, as fun as emo can get. They're an emo band, basically. Uh, Pagan, I like a blackened hardcore act from last year. 
had lots of um, I kind of get a lot of, like stoner rock vibes from them as well. They're very 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 fun to listen to. Kids check them out. And the world of life I honestly thought had broken up. So what are you gonna do? Uh, Slam Dunk, I'm pretty sure that's the one in Leeds. That's gonna have Gallows on there as well. And everyone should go to Slam Dunk because Gallows are there. If it is Slam Dunk that I'm thinking of. Uh, Canadian punk outfit Pop have announced that they have formed their own new label. It's called Little Dipper and it will release their new album, which I'll talk about in just a few moments. And it is in partnership with Rise Records and BMG. It's probably. It's been quite sparse in, kind of, in terms of news at the moment regarding the new label. I imagine they must have had a bad experience or not enough control at some point, so that's why they want to do it on their own. But they are looking to like expand. It's a very punk thing to make your own label, isn't it? I know um, Brett Gurewitz did it back in the day with Bad Religion. And I want to say one of the guys from Rancid did it. Yeah, uh, Tim did it with Held Cat. I probably got that wrong. But they are looking to eventually bring in more acts. And yeah, I think this will be an interesting little thing. There's a lot more DIY amongst bands these days because music industry revenue is not quite the same as it was back in the day so intrigued and last little bit of news from me devil driver vocalist des Fafera has announced on or so confirmed on social media that he has begun vocal tracking on the upcoming double album that's the only bit of news i could find there's no release date there's no name oh no it's just a double album but the fact that he has begun tracking this early in the year makes me think we're due for uh, this year, maybe late this year, last quarter for the release. It'll be the follow-up to last year's Outlaws Till the End Volume 1, which was a Devil Driver covers album covering loads of country and Americana out, um, like hits and hits mostly. It was actually kind of good. I really enjoyed it. Songs like uh, Whiskey River with Randy Blythe and Mark Morton from Lamb of God. The Country Hero song with Frank Williams 3 was quite interesting because of Williams like vocal execution in the chorus and the classics, things like uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. That actually had some of uh, Johnny Cash's family in there as well, which is, you know, pretty good guy, devil driver, getting getting everyone involved, making it a whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's, the end. that's it in terms of news. I feel like I'm powering through this a lot. I've very on it, I guess. Uh, new music from Architects. They have done a Spotify single session. So they have recorded a cover of Change in House of Flies by Deftones, which was on their White Pony album. And they've also recorded an extended version of Death of Not the Feet. It's got, it sounds, well, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's got more of an orchestra behind it to give it that extra bit of oomph, because apparently that song needed more oomph, despite it being like a size of a fucking mountain um but yeah that that's out already go check them out on all their various social medias and you'll probably find it it's actually the deftones cover is quite eerily you can tell it's architects but just the, his vocal delivery sam's vocal delivery is very much like cheeto in it he's done a very good job with it uh there's a new single announced which you don't really get bands announcing singles that much anymore at least not the ones that i follow um, but Blood Command have announced that they are going to be releasing Afraid of Water on the 8th of February. Uh, it's about 
says to me it's going to start the build up to a sequel to what's it called Cult Drugs, which was a really really fun like punk and roll album. And yeah, I'll keep my ears glued to the ground for that one. And uh, the the star of today, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, uh, they've released a new song called Crowbar as part of End of Suffering, which is out the third of May. I dig it. I am. I will happily say that I probably look at a lot of the, anything touched by a member of Gallows is immediately going to grab my attention. I'm probably going to be a lot less critical than I'm meant to be. But when first time I listened to Crowbar, I must admit I wasn't into it as much. It was, it just felt like it was lacking something. Um, give it a few more listens, especially listens on headphones as well. The which makes a difference. Listening through shitty speakers, it doesn't sound quite as heavy or like angry as it actually is when you have it on headphones. Uh, my only complaint, I guess, my only niggle about it at the moment is at the. I think it's after the second chorus where he's that like little break bass um, when he sings, All those jealous motherfuckers are going to try and put you down or something like that. At the end of that, it builds and builds and builds, and then he, Frank goes, get the fucking crowbar, and you expect this huge slamming, like, Blossoms-esque breakdown, and it just goes back into the chorus. I think it would have been a lot better if you had some massive, like I said, massive breakdown in there instead, just to kick in the dick a little bit, but who am I to question our Lord and Saviour Frank Carter, but yeah, End of Suffering is out 3rd of May, I'm going to be talking a lot more about Frank Carter in a wee while. Uh, then in terms of new albums that have been announced, Stephen Townsend has given more details about his upcoming album, Empath. It will be under his solo moniker, so not under Devin, Devin Townsend Band or Devin Townsend Project or Casualty Musical or anything like that. It will just be him. It's called Empath. It's coming out the 29th of March. The album cover, I must say, is quite standard. It's just white background with the letters Empath of various different colours, which is... Alright, but someone, I don't know if someone's like put the leak out too early or put it off for sale too early, but someone's found the artwork that's going to go on the inlay, and it looks fucking beautiful, it is so nice, um, it's, it feels, from the image I've seen, it looks like it's drawing in a lot from previous artwork, so people have been saying there's uh, Ziltoid, which is this like alien figure that he's got as a recurring character for a lot of his um, concept albums. As parts of it that look like it's come off the cover of Ghost, which was his ambient album he did with Devin Townsend Project. It looks staggering, and it'll be the case of to get to fully get everything you can from Empath, it'll have to be a physical purchase, which I am all for bringing back HMV one album at a time. Uh, other things from Empath, it's got a host of guest appearances. You've got Steve Vai in there. Uh, Chad Kroger from Nickelback's going to be making an appearance somewhere. Uh, Shay Amy Dorval, I really hope I pronounced that right. She is the lassie who worked with Devin for his Casualties of Cool project, which is well, a like dark country kind of album. Really interesting. wasn't for me, but if you like that kind of thing. And N.E.K. Van Giersbergen, again, really hope I pronounced that. She's worked with Devin Townsend a lot in his pre... Well, I think that last four or five albums, if not longer. Um, so yeah, quite looking forward to that one. I do like me some Heavy Debbie. 
And as alluded to before, Canadian punk outfit Pup, which is the Pup were the very first band I saw live. They were supporting Pure Love when literally Pure Love had said, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're breaking up. This is going to be like our last tour." And it was my first show I ever saw. That was really fun. Pup were fucking great at the time. Uh, got their EP, their EP, sorry, their debut album, which I think was self-titled. I hope it's self-titled because why? I'd look like a prat. And my takeaway from that show was, as they go through the, like their set, they would break every now and go say, "Hey, yeah, we're pop from Canada," and it just gets some massive guy in the middle of the crowd just shout Canada back at them. It's like, yeah, that Canada, yeah, woo, hockey, and they were more just as confused as the rest of us were. So that was really fun. Uh, they have announced that Morbid Stuff will be part of their new album, uh, new label, I should say, Little Dipper, and that's going to be out on the fifth of. April. So yeah, hopefully lots of fun stuff coming out in the forthcoming months. Too bad there's nothing fucking coming out this month. Or well, so far. Seriously spent about oh, last three days finding things on Bandcamp and various other places, YouTube, just trying to find interesting things to listen to. And eventually did over the course week, whatever it was. And there are two albums that are completely out of my comfort zone. So We'll see how this goes. The first one is a self-titled album from a Canadian indie pop, dream pop, shoegazy band called Tallies. That's T-A-L-L-I-E-S. Straight away, and I don't know if this is a good thing or not. It's a good thing for me, because I fucking love these guys. Reminds me a lot of The Beautiful South. A UK like indie rock band from the 90s. I really, really adore Beautiful South. Mum is a huge fan of Beautiful South, so they kind of brought me up on it. I know they had three female vocalists. They had um, Jackie Abbott was number two. Can't remember the third one, but the first one, so she guessed in the first album and then was a part of the band for albums two and three. Brianna Corrigan. She has a higher register, much in the same way as the vocalist from Tally's. Um... Beautiful South got iconic songs. If you can think of A Little Time, or li- Need a Little Time, she's the vocalist on that one. That's that's Brianna era, Beautiful South. I got a lot of vibes from that because there are times where it is, like the jum- drums remain fairly up-tempo throughout the album. Um, and it just juxtaposes like melancholia that the guitars bring in, which is what Beautiful South did a lot back into day. Um, and the al- albums of this nature, I find, this is why it's like kind of like my comfort zone, albums of this nature can fall into the trap that they are so morose and so laid back and chilled that they can become quite boring. And that's why I don't really go for this dreamy shoegazy shit, because apparently I'm mildly ADHD. Uh, the guitars themselves bounce between like this reverb to like, reverb and echo deep to fuck. Roots rock sound, kind of like Dire Straits. Um, it pins between that and this more traditional post rock, shoegazy, atmospheric like wall just attacking the listener. Um, to the point where a lot for a lot of the songs, the bass carries the rhythm, and I quite like the light, floaty songs carried by just like low bass tone, just like fumbling along to carry it. Uh, one thing I did really enjoy about this album is that it's a nice throwback to having 
it's well, sorry, it's a nice throwback whilst having a more youthful energy to it. So you've got songs like Mother and Have You. They have these um, really eclectic, uh, shoegazy verses. But when it comes to the chorus, it's very upbeat indie rock to give that that punch of, like I said, youthful energy. Excuse me, I'm dying. Um, and it gives vocalist Sarah Cogan a chance to shine. And undoubtedly, Sarah is the highlight of this album. Her voice can be eerily chilling when she's doing the more like eclectic sort of stuff. And she can have, get the higher register. That was my phone going bleep bloop. It does that. A porn bot wants to send me a message, but that's lovely. And my phone's just going to crash on me. That's cool too. Um, where was I? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Koga's voice. It does get like the higher register. It's very eclectic and dreamy and spacey and what have you. And then there are times where she can, it sounds like not an average modern day singer, but the style of it where it is singing just with a powerful voice. I really dig it. A lot of the, a lot of songs in this album where it is more straightforward dream pop. As a genre, it's kind of hit and miss for me, so that's why some of these songs are a bit down on my opinion. So th songs like Not So Proud and Easy Enough, I like them. They are a style of music I don't usually go for, but they are. there's enough in there to keep me interested in my puny little mind to keep it going. Um, but like I said, Kogan being a star, she's got such an emotional voice. In songs like Eden, where you've usually got the guitars creating that wall of sound she's doing it by herself with just the power of her voice um, mother is quite a tender yet quite powerful it, well sorry her vocals are quite tender but they just power through the instrumentation can you tell i'm reading my notes and as a whole mother is a song i can't really make heads or tail of because i've been reading through the lyrics and trying to listen to it myself from what I gather, it's a conversation with her mother, who's warning her of life's struggles, and she's saying, don't get down by all the inevitable negativity that's going to come with being alive in the modern day. But also, fuck you, I'm not going to help. And it's just, I, there's probably more hidden meanings or more on-the-face meanings that I'm just too dumb to notice, but... Lyrics, man. How do they work? But it's, so, as a whole, this isn't an album that's going to make me go into the more of this kind of thing, the more indie pop, shoegazy sort of thing. It's by no means reinventing the wheel, but if you are a fan of this style of music, this indie dreamy sort of thing, I reckon you'll really, really enjoy it. Still very, very, very enjoyable to me as someone who likes. Like 30 second grindcore songs. Uh, bands that I kind of compare it to. Obviously I said before about The Beautiful South. Also heard a lot of comparisons to Amber Run. Listening to this. Which were a, a UK indie band. That became quite prominent a couple of years ago. And if you have really gone to this sort of stuff. And you've gone to like more niche level things. I, a few years ago I found a band called Kensington. They're a Dutch alternative rock band. I think there's a lot of crossover there as well so people of the south and brun kensington all of that and more 
you want to look up Tally's as their debut album out now because it was out. Oh, there you go. Out January the 11th, so definitely out now. I don't know why this is such a weird episode today. I do apologize. I'm just. I'm drinking lots of orange juice. Let's call it that. I am ODing on calcium. Calcium C? Calcium C. Fucking hell. Album number two for this week is uh, a massive post-metal album all the way from Sweden. It is album three from A Swarm of the Sun. The album's called The Woods and there's a follow-up to the very highly acclaimed The Rifts, which came out a few years ago. And A Swarm of the Sun, at its core, consists of a power duo of guitarist and pianist Eric Nielsen and vocalist Jacob Berglund. Hope I haven't butchered that pronunciation too much. Um, I think I've definitely mentioned it before with prog. I might have mentioned it before with post rock and metal, but post rock for me is on power prog in that it is very intelligent genre. Um, you need it's not really something you could have on in the background because I feel like you would lose a lot of what's going into it, like all the soundscapes, all the walls of sound, everything like that. You tend to lose that along the way. If you just have it on while you're doing something else. I tend to like post-rock and post-metal when it's combined with something else. So I really liked the Contra album last year, like I said before. Um, and that's got a lot of post-metal elements in with all the sludge metals also in there. When it's combined with post-hardcore for Touche More or Being as an Ocean, I'm always down for that. And also combined with black metal, so... I talked about Maul last year, Death Heaven are a good one, Oathbreaker are a big one for me. On its own, so yeah, it's difficult. When it's combined, it's a lot more... It can go in more with me because I've got more things to attach to, more things that are more comfortable and familiar with me. I'd say the last full-on post-metal album I listened to was probably the Wear Your Wounds album from... What was that, 2016, three years ago? 16, 17? Um, which, people aren't aware, it was the side project of Jacob Bannon from Converge. And I... The thing is, I thought the Way You Ruins album was very okay. And this was an album that was getting high regards from other people who know their shit when it comes to this kind of music. So, I don't know if that's like a good way of having a like Yardstick for me, an album I thought was very okay, or very, I say very okay, that makes it sound like it's kind of shit, it was just, you know, it was a post-metal post album that I found enjoyable. With that as a Yardstick for me, compared to when everyone else is saying great, you know, it could, you could you could do the math, it's like A equals B, except it doesn't. Um, for this album, for The Woods then, it is three songs only, but each song is over 12 minutes long, so it's been a complete fucking slog to get through, because like I said, Sitting down, you, I feel like with post-rock or post-metal, you need to sit down and take it all in. And I don't know why. I can happily listen to a 40-minute album of punk rock or hardcore or whatever. But for some reason, when it's big like, like this, I'm a fucking pillock. The opener, The Blackout, is a slow, so slow building and intimidating piece of music. Um, and it grows layer by layer with each new instrument brought in. So it... Um, starts with like a quite eerie piano and then you just get more so like drums kick in, more guitars kick in, um, more strings kick in, just like builds and builds and builds and then it like peters off quite dramatically and then it just it 
goes into this big dramatic like metal laden half of this where the metal half of all this album comes into and the closing three or four minutes i could only compare it to when i was younger obviously like back in the days like when boomerang was top quality tv and you used to get all the og tom and jerry cartoons and looney tunes and that kind of thing and there's always an episode where they had to conduct on a stage, like conduct an orchestra or a pianist or whatever. And they used to, obviously for the sake of cartoons, they used to overact and be melodramatic in terms of everything. Excuse me. And that was what, like that frantic movement is kind of like what's in my head when I hear the last three or four minutes because instrumentation especially the drums the drummer on this album um carl daniel leaden it's a fucking loon ain't no pun intended with loon reference but he's absolutely off his tits just somehow he can make a wall of noise in the same way as i was saying before with um miss kogan and tallies and like guitars in general he's trying to do that with a drum kit and it's not like just constantly smashing on high tats whatever. He's doing a lot of it on the toms. And he's fucking insane. To the po- and so the first song is completely instrumental. Um, Bergman's vocals are nowhere to be seen. And then all of a sudden on like, track two begins. It's a self-titled track. I'm sorry, not self-titled. Album, album title track. And it actually scared me the first few times I heard. Because it's it's the first time the album's used uh, lyrics, and he just like kind of appears out of nowhere. It's, it's from what I remember, it's kind of off key, not off key. Sorry, that's the wrong word entirely. Off rhythm, I think is a better word. Uh, is a better word. Um, so it's not like basic musician. So you got one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. He appears at like two or three, just out of nowhere. Really threw me off. And, yeah, because you just, like, for me, I was getting this, like, really comfortable, almost borderline familiar environment with um, this big post-rock sound. And then all of a sudden, you've just got Berglund there. He's got kind of a creepy singing voice as it is, like, quite um, low and drawn out. And then just, like, butts his head in. Then, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of shook. It, it, Hashtag shook me, which is something I promise I'll never say ever again. The, like, after he's, like, had his, because his vocals are very sparing in this album. After you've get, after you've gotten past that side of it, the, there's, like, this guitar-backed, it almost sounds like a funeral march begins just with, like, a guitar backing uh, to, like, bring it along. It is full of like organ pieces that would it creates like such a dark atmosphere that would make typo negative shy it's slow and it's methodical and there are parts in it where in between the fills or the fills in, in the orchestration it kind of reminds me of that last perfect circle album which i know they are like two different ends of the spectrum in terms of like post music but like i said the John fills in the way he can fill like a tiny gap in the music in between like guitarists like switching down the neck or the um, string musicians 
reorganizing their fingers, he can get that like little bit of extra drums in and just that little bit more just to like keep it going at all times, despite the fact it is a post metal album and you need to draw out musical sequences. It's almost like ADHD where he just doesn't want there to be silence for more than too long. And it just like the song builds and builds and builds and builds so it's like more up tempo, borderline rock um crescendo. And like I said, the drummer lead in sounds like an absolute demon behind the kit, putting in so many fills and just like I ah, oh, just I have a thing I just said before actually because I've been bit ahead of and any changes between guitars and the atmospherics, atmosphere, uh, there is Carl there just making it so there is not a single moment of silence when he doesn't want there to be. Goes into the final track, um, An Heir to the Throne, which sounds like a dark folk song at first because the rhythm is set by the toms from Lead In Again. And it says, Dum. Dum, dum, dum. Dum, dum. And it does sound like some kind of pagan tribe is about to like eat your face. And you've got more of Bergen's vocals on this, and they sound so strange. Like they are so very clear. Like it, there's no way is there um, harsh singing in this or anything like that. It is just almost as if he's being squeezed I guess is the best way of saying it because he sounds like he's constantly under some kind of pressure but his vocals come through so cleanly and so clear and then the song again like the other two have done previously explodes into this it's almost I kind of compared it to like funeral doom for the second half because it's this big dramatic slow paced uh, like riff storm I guess to see out the last of the song and then therefore the last of the album. Albums, you can, there's certain albums you listen at certain times of the year. For me, the example I give, because obviously I've been listening to a lot of them recently, the Pure Love album with Frank Carter, that was an album which I couldn't wait to listen to in the peak of summer. Um, a lot of the pop punk stuff and punk rock sort of thing works so well in the summer. Things like this, where it is a dark and broody post-metal album. This is sitting by the fire in a blizzard in the middle of Scandinavia kind of levels of winter record. It is... I got cold listening to it and I live in the... Like, UK is cold right now. It is not Scandinavia cold. And I'm indoors with the heating on several cups of tea. But this album just puts like you in a chill the entire way through. And as someone, it's like, for me as someone who's not into post-metal a lot, I don't think this is an album that I would go back to soon. Not because I think it's bad at all. I quite enjoy this album, um, especially when it really did rise up into... For a lot of the songs, the second half of the song where it became that like big crescendo with I fell in love with the drummer as you can tell. Excuse me. But yeah, the second half of each song is more what I was waiting for for each song and I feel like I'm the wrong market for it in that case. But for me it's not one that I'll go back to. There's certainly parts of this album that I really, really enjoyed. 
for me, if I was to compare it to anyone, um, while I was trying to find more about post-metal, I found a band called Blue Neck. They are apparently quite prominent in that scene, so if you're aware of them, I think um, you'd really enjoy Swarm of the Sun. Lights and Motion, which are a very dramatic post-rock band, they advertise their music as trying to create music that would be in films, which... If you ever listen to a Lights and Motion song, you'll absolutely hear where you could fit any one of their songs into any major movie release from Star Wars to anything Marvel related to Bond, anything. Um, so definitely recommend them if you enjoy Swarm of the Sun. And for me, when it got to, like in terms of like the slow build up until um, the big dramatic end, if you take the vocals out, I'd compare it to Oathbreaker, which I know, I said before, were using post-metal with black metal. The like My favourite song from that latest album, Rhea, is Needles in the Skin, where it is this like, slow, haunting start, and then does explode into the wall sound that becomes like the, stand well, the now-standard post-black metal Oathbreaker sound. If you took out, um, I can't remember her name, I want to say it's Kara. If you took out the vocalist's um, lyrics and her screams at the top of it and just had the music, I think that comparison of the slow build into something that's very dramatic will um, transfer to Swarm of the Sun. So, the long way of saying everything is, if you enjoy Lights in Motion, if you enjoy the musical side of Oathbreaker, if you enjoy Blue Neck, I think you should go for... A Swarm of the Sun. It is their third album. It is called The Woods. And yeah, if you like that sort of post-rock, dramatic, post-metal kind of thing, I think this would be right up your street. Uh, as I was saying at the top of the show, there was meant to be a review of the new Fever 333 album. However, I'm a complete burk and decided to pour water on my laptop. Couldn't transfer across, couldn't listen to as much, blah, 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 blah. So that's coming out next week. A review for that as as well as I'm going to try well I will fit in the new Kane Hill EP and then find some more things along the way so that everyone gets their albums which is nice but for this week to finish it off it is a week of an open mic album and I'm going to look at the debut album from Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes which is called Blossom and it was Kerrang said it best where it wasn't a comeback, it was a revival for Frank. Um, and so I'll do a bit of backstory to, for where, to how we got to Blossom. So obviously, Frank made his name in the punk rock band Gallows, a band that I love. Just, there is no, they might be my favourite band of all time. It, they're certainly up there. It's a big question to ask anyone, but they are, they remain one of my favorite bands of all time and frank left on the back of great britain which to me and especially this century great britain is definitely one of the greatest hardcore bands if uh, album sorry this this millennia has seen i'd go far as to say it transcends that like hardcore like take out the hardcore bubble it will still be up there with one of the greatest albums released this generation um, it was a, 
I don't want to go into it too much because this is a review of a boss but it was a, just a triumph of what you could do with hardcore and what you could do with punk rock. Um, so yeah, Ga um, Frank left after Great Britain. He also left after Gallows left a one million pound contract with Warner Brothers. And there is a great article on The Guardian written by a, ben a man called Ben Myers called Gallows Great Rock and Roll Swindle. Definitely recommend you go read that because he puts into a lot more words, a lot better words than I ever could, but basically Warner Brothers thought they could snag the next edgy punk band that could they could potentially cash in on. So along the lines of Green Day or Mike and Romance or that kind of thing. Gallows then took that money. Instead of quote-unquote selling out or whatever, they used that money to make one of the sickest and darkest albums of modern times and just pumped that into making such a at times terrifying soundscape like they found a sample online of the of a pig slaughterhouse and put that in the album to create more of a theme behind it it is just insane what they did with the money and they subsequently got dropped by warner brothers because warner brothers didn't like the fact they couldn't really market it as a radio friendly album you can kind of see why um and yeah when frank left in 2011 i think the day after he announced he was leaving Gallows, Gallows played Sonosphere, what ended up being their last festival show as a band. And during this performance, Frank wore a shirt that said Pure Love, which ended up being his new band. Already caused like a bit of a riff between him and his bandmates because you are basically advertising what comes next when the guys you're leaving behind are still not quite sure what they're doing yet. So Weird move on Frank's part, but nonetheless, he formed Pure Love with the former guitarist of The Hopes Conspiracy, a gentleman called Jim Carroll. And as I was saying before, when it was like uh, during the A Swarm of the Sun uh, review, Pure Love had a much more summer hard rock kind of sound. And the first song they debuted was a song called Bury My Bones. And it opens with the line, I'm so sick of singing about hey, it's never going to make a change, which... Again, was rubbing a lot of people up the wrong way because it's kind of like a slap in the face of his previous work. Like, as much as I will sing the praises of Great Britain, Orchestra of Rules, which was their Gallows debut album, is still a fucking phenomenal record. And they got a lot of praise in terms of the musical output, the liar show, and opening with that line for a new project did seem like they he was just saying, oh, fuck it, I don't need it anymore. Um... Nonetheless, though, they released Anthems a couple of years later in 2013, and they followed up with The Bunny, which was a three-track, I think it was a three-track uh, EP in 2014, before splitting up that year. They basically split up and released that all in one go, saying this is the last three songs we ever recorded, have at, and we're about to go on a leaving, a leaving tour, which was, as I said before about Pup, was the very first show I ever went to. Um, I was, I'm a late bloomer to the live music scene, I'll have to admit. In terms of an album, I know... With people knowing Frank from Gallows, I think... It's hard to separate what you know someone for compared to what they're doing now. Like I've just listened to a review for um, the Fever 333 album. And in it they say it took them a long time to remember that this isn't the... Jason Allen Butler from Let Live Anymore. This is now the Jason Allen Butler from Fever 333. 
And I think a lot of people at the time had a similar sort of deal with Frank at the time. And they had to separate the fact that this was not... Even I had to do it. Especially, I was not a fan of the Bury My Bones song at first. But there comes a time where I needed to realise that this wasn't the Frank that I knew from Gallows. This was the Frank I knew from Pure Love Now. And once you get past that, I quite enjoyed it. Um, after, like, like I said, Bury My Bones, quite a cheesy album. It then became a case of, like, Handsome Devil's Club is a really, really, just like a fun song. I remember, all I've got in my head now is just the music video for it. And it's just bathed in sunshine, and as dumb as that sounds, it is, like I said, it's a very summery record. And so I really, really enjoyed it. Um, just trying to think of the songs from the album now. Um, so Handsome Devil's Club, um... Beach of Diamonds is like a low, slow, bluesy kind of song. Um, Riot songs is Riot songs should have had like a much more um, of a following behind it. I think I would love to have seen that song live as well. But c'est la vie. I can't actually remember what they played when they played Lincoln. Oh well. Um, but yeah, either way, anthems came out and it was a chance for Frank to branch out and sort of like. Um, experiment with himself musically like he'd been slapped with this like one dimensional reputation with gallows uh, which i think is untrue going back although it was quite sparse look at a song like the vultures act one and two from great britain and you can hear him sing more than scream although it's like i said it's very minimal example of this it did show that he was capable of expanding out a little bit more and all those i did he could then put into what well, he had then put into anthems and um, either way for whatever reason pure love didn't last and i think officially they are on hiatus so in in theory they could all come back i don't see it but strange things have happened and then within a year there had been teasers from frank about what he was doing next musically he had a little bit of a break which i was very very nervous about because i was like Frank, what are you doing? But eventually came back. Eventually was teasing a lot, and it eventually became Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Initially billed as a solo project because the name. Um, it featured obviously our dear Frank, formerly of Gallows and Pure Love. Featured Dean Richardson from the Outgoing Heights, Memory Jago from a Ghost, The Ghost of a Thousand, and Thomas Michener from Spycatcher. So there's a lot, apart from Spycatcher, there's a lot of hardcore and punk backing behind this new project. And from memory, I think with the new band, very short time afterwards, they released the debut EP, which was Rotten. And all three songs ended up becoming part of what became Blossom. It was Fangs, Paradise, and Primary Explosive. And it was an absolute... Like I, like I was saying with the Kerrang! review before, it wasn't a comeback, it was a revival. Because it was just, it was return of the more guttural punk that made Frank a known name. It straddles that line between hardcore and punk rock so finely to the point where I see a lot of people describe it as a punk rock album with hardcore influences. Which is a weird thing to read and to hear, but once you go into it a little bit more you can kind of see why. Um, 
Fangs, which was like the first song. It rips just like Orchestra Walls did back in the day. It was a lot more of a straightforward punk song. And overall, it was just quite bleak and cynical, especially with um, Paradise, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a bit. Excuse me, still dying again. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, get rotten. Eventually, it became the full album of Blossom, and Blossom opened with this huge. I can only describe it as like a massive groove metal esque riff in Juggernaut, and it just sound. It was such a return to form in terms of just bitterness and anger. It's such an angry song where, like, the screams he does, um, like particularly before the breakdown, you think that he might be about to do himself an injury. <coughs> Excuse me, like that. And it's the first of, like, many confrontational songs on the album. So you've got Juggernaut, and it repeats the line, even on my own, you can't stop me, which was, if... I'm so sick of singing about hate, he's never going to make a change, was the message or like the ethos he had going into pure love. Even on my own, You Can't Stop Me is definitely the ethos he had coming into Rattlesnakes. Um, I'm quite interested now to go back to the opening song of Abandoned, Sh oh, it was Abandoned Shit on Orchestra Walls. Wasn't quite the same message back then, but for the looks of it, his new project has always been the case of opening line, it said, statement of intent so to speak so yeah, you had that in juggernaut paradise was an attack on suicide bombers and just challenging their beliefs and the ideals in general uh album closer i hate you is a full like dick swinging skull king i don't want to call it a ballad but it kind of is maybe like a bluesy sort of thing i'm not quite sure um, and it's just listening all the way. You can say you don't like someone. And I am all for that. Any chance to tell someone they're like, I don't like them. But in just creative and fun ways, I am I'm always going to be a part of that. Uh, you end up getting into Lost, which is where it becomes much more of a personal record. Uh, it's a very bleak song where Frank essentially li lists all the things he's lost, including... He's got everything from his mind, his senses, his friends, his family, his wife, the life he built as a musician. And if you follow him on social media, you'll see that he wears a lot of his emotions on his sleeve and then posts about it because he feels, I don't know, I think it's a case of, he wants to put him a case of, he doesn't want to be seen as this bulletproof guy because he's got a daughter now, he wants to know i guess that's okay to have emotions and blah 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 blah. i'm not i don't want to speculate too much because I, as far as i'm aware he hasn't outright said why he's quite personal on social media but following things like his instagram it is very very personal and loss is like the musical interpretation of all that you move on to a song like beautiful death and it is like the first of a double header about death. So Beautiful, uh, Beautiful Death is more about um, it's the perspective of someone left on the surface when someone dies. Um, and it's quite, it's kind of like the first indication of what would come after Blossom. Because it's quite a slow, bluesy song. Little bits of touches of shoegaze. But in terms of lyrically, yeah, it's all about you've lost someone and you just give that 
you could anything to have that last 10 minutes just to say what you really thought of them kind of deal. And then the other side of it, the next song afterwards called Rotten Blossom, is from the perspective, I guess, of the corpse, corpse, where they question the afterlife, like what actually happens to us, and it goes through various different ideas from various different religions, just general um, thoughts and processes about other people, just challenging for both sides in those two songs. Overall, Blossom is a very raw, very visceral, and very emotional album. Um, I think, despite the fact it's called Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, I think this is the first album where you can say, or the, the only album I should say, sorry, where this is a solo album for Frank. Because I think this was a chance to get everything off his chest, um, especially, particularly lyrically. Um, and what's important to know is it wasn't just paint by numbers hardcore. There's a lot more. Like, it's a lot more riff driven. Songs like Beautiful Death, where it's got the first the seeds of what would become Modern Ruin and what sounds like uh, End of Suffering. And I honestly think it's to do with the very so far very underrated partnership between Frank Carter and Dean Richardson, formerly of Heights. Uh, Frank has said in a lot of social media postings about their relationship and their partnership and the songwriting partnership and in a lot of promo coming up well that's been released for the upcoming album it's no longer just frank on its own it's frank and dean which i think is really really interesting so i'm looking forward to end of suffering because obviously and then whatever comes next to find out where that partnership goes to that um power that a possible new punk power couple between frank and dean um so what happened afterwards? So the partnership with Dean, like I said, it kind of moved on into Modern Ruin, where although a lot of the, well, I'd say a lot, damn near all of the very visceral punk stuff had been taken away in Modern Ruin, um, there was so much more creatively going on. So you had a lot of indie stuff in there, a lot of alt rock in there. It's a few dabbles in gothic rock as well. And by the sounds of Crowbar, that's kind of what's going to go into End of Suffering as well. But for Blossom, it was almost written as if Frank had, like I said, when I said Frank was, the Frank kind of writes like Blossom was his only one we could say it was a solo album. It was more written with a point to prove. Like with uh, Pure Love... I remember seeing, even now, people will still see it as a more, like, sellout kind of album, which, personally, I don't subscribe to. I know I've got various different conflicting opinions about that, but I think the fact that Frank stepping away from one of the fastest-growing hardcore acts in the country to then releasing a very more accessible hard rock album so then going back to something like this which like is up there with the gallows output um, that frank had released in terms of just like aggression and heaviness i think it's more of a testament to frank than anything else the fact that he can go from a to b back to a again and make a sound so fucking good still um and yeah, I don't, I don't think Frank will. There's always a, like someone asking Frank's gonna go back to Gallows or Frank's gonna be punk as fuck again. 
I think as a person, Frank is always going to be punk as fuck. You can't be a man like that and not be. Um, as much as Modern Ruin is different and the like potential end of suffering has to be as well, I don't ever see Frank going back to making this kind of music again. At least not anytime soon. Um, I certainly don't see him going back to Gallows. Um, I've Wade has definitely grown to me as term, in terms of a vocalist for Gallows, but aside from a potential like uh, live appearance from like either Frank going to Gallows or someone from Gallows going into Rattlesnakes for a bit, but as like a live treat maybe at a festival, but in terms of Frank going back to Gallows or Frank being out and out hardcore again, I don't see it happening. I think as much as he is trying to manage his personal life as well i think he is happy with this new sound he's cultivated his new expansive punk rock because i still think modern rune is a punk rock album it's just got a lot more going on than blossom and great britain and orchestra but yeah that's in terms of living in the moment i think blossom remains one of my like definitely a favorite album for me and Going back and listening to it and re like making the comparisons to Gallows, to Pure Love, to this, it is really cool to see the fact that he heard all this shit, came back, fucking exploded with this, and then went back to doing arguably what he's more like wanted to do now. I know there's like rumors and everything about he his voice failed in him during the recordings of Modern Room, but End of Suffering is going in the same way by the looks of it. So I think this is the Frank we have now. And that's okay. Um, if you never went in on Blossom. And this has been like a very wish-washy. Uh, all over the place review. But someone knocked on my door. And it really threw me off. And I'm very, very sad. Um, if you never went in on Frank Card and Rattlesnake's Blossom. And comparisons I could give it. If you really enjoy the debut Gallows album. Orchestra of Walls. Um, that quite. Um, I don't want to say low budget. Because that makes it sound shit. But more raw sounding punk i think you'd really go for this um uh, if you really enjoyed the turnstile album from last year excuse me i think you should you actually if you listen to turnstile and you haven't listened to blossom i'll be very impressed but i still think you should go back and give it a go if you haven't already or listened to it already on the back of time and space and i think for a third one i'll go with comeback here that more the canadian hardcore band so yeah if you dug orchestra of walls if you dug time time yeah turn style or comeback kid i think you'll go for frank carter and the rattlesnakes debut album blossom and that will do me for this week it's been a weird weird episode words failed me more than usual today but next week a new laptop means we will have a review for Strength in Numbers. I'm not going to do the number version because I'll be here all day. By Fever 333, the new project from former Let Live frontman Jason Allen Butler. Uh, I'll also look at the new EP from Kane Hill. And I'll find some other things that will be interesting too. So until next week, be a bit more normal hopefully next week. I'll see you later. Bye bye. <laughs>